today on Movie Oil as we talk about The Batman, Death on the Nile and Nightmare Alley. It's time for Movie Wallows. Hi, this is Joe. Hi, it's Rashmi. And Yazdi as well. Movie Wallows is your weekly dose of film reviews, movie news and general banter in theatres, on DVD, online streaming or in the back of an airplane. If you love the movies, this show is for you. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello all. So, um, we're anything but weekly at the moment. Yeah. Like, I think I put out a podcast in January and I just put out a podcast. Today. Today. It's March. <laughs> Joe, what's wrong with you? Hey, we've had a slow start. We always have a slow start. Yeah, we do. So we're, we're, we're winding up, hopefully, in terms of speed. Look, screenings aren't very... Um, regular. Regular at the moment. Have we got anything scheduled? Nothing yet. Well, I think it's a combination of the first few months are usually slow, plus I think everybody's recovering from Omicron, and slowly people are heading back to the cinema, so... Yes. Yeah. So, uh, sorry if you've been hanging out waiting for our podcast. We got a little bit of catching up to do because Nightmare Alley was really a late 2021 release. Yeah. yeah. But and it ended up being nominated for best film, a surprise yeah. nomination. Yes. Yeah. And it is streaming right now on both Hulu as well as HBO Max. So if you have it, you can watch it after you hear our review. You may or may not wish yes, to watch yes. it. We'll see. Um, so when are you, I thought you were going to do some new music because it's our 500th episode coming up. And this is our 494th. I've got six episodes to do. That. To do more music. So I'm Joe what? said he's going to try a new style of music. What? No, are you going to abandon our jingle? No, 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 no. So You're gonna you know there it. are multiple versions of our theme Correct. track. That yes. The first one was a little bit jazzy. Yes. With a, a kind of a wood bass sound to it. The next one was a little bit poppier. And then this last one's full on kind of electro dance. Well, I'm, I don't know. I, I think maybe I should try an R&B version. Oh, I thought you were going to do a gangster rap one. I could do a gangster rap version. You want to rap? I want to. No, no, I don't want to rap because there are no words. But. You, I was going to say, if you write a rap verse, I'll give you the beat. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, please don't. That would be Nightmare Alley. <laughs> that would be Nightmare Alley, yes. yes. For everyone. No, uh, well, uh, no I'm going to mess with it. I'm going to see what, what comes to mind. But don't put pressure on me. Like well, I thought I'd put you on the, the, on the spot the, the there. The creativity has to come naturally. In fact, the last remix I did on a transatlantic flight, you believe did. it or not. Yeah. Well, buy a ticket. Get going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. You've got six episodes. Yes. Demanding colleagues. I know. And two of them will be today. So only four episodes. This no, only one episode. We're one only doing one episode today. This oh, will be 494 true. if I okay. put it out in, in okay, my order. So fine. The clock ticketh. I know. I, I get it. Anyway. Um, we have just enjoyed good snacks again. I am. Like my blood is like syrup right now. Yeah, yes, the, you, it's not you, syrup. You fed us so much cake. Have you got some insulin in that freezer <laughs> over there? Like, and, and or shares in Nova Nordisk. I uh, I did my annual physical and my blood sugar came out okay, so I'm celebrating. Oh, with more sugar, sugar. everywhere. Oh, <laughs> how much? That's wait, interesting. Wait, wait. Now, did you did you sacrifice the amount of sugar before no. you had your physical, or were you pretty oh, even you before you went? Did you gain? Did you try and lose weight before your physical? No, no. you I, I acted normal. No, I did. I did. I, w- I won't go at the moment because I need to lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I've, I I tried to be 
somewhat uniform that not eat a pizza one night or you know just suddenly you know he gained flood it. he gained it suddenly yeah. flood my bloodstream with cholesterol or or sugar but no i i always have a little bit of something sweet after dinner i love that see i'm the same it's i cannot it's, go to bed unless i have it has to, even a little bit of chocolate yeah same same thing in our house i think it's pre diabetes because my body hungers for it well I, no because it tells your body it's the end of the meal that's my excuse like you gotta, you gotta switch your system off, right? So you get a little treat. Yes. Well, I mean, I, but not every day. I would say at least three nights out of seven. Five. Oh, for me, it's seven. seven out. Three out of five. Did you say? What did you say? It was just seven, seven out of seven. Out of seven. Yeah. <laughs> life is short. I know. May become Eat, shorter. Life is short. Eat cake. Yeah. Might <laughs> might be shorter with what's going on in the I world. I know. What days we live in. I just got the reference. Yes, this is this is meant to be apolitical. It is. I'm just saying, eat cake. Life is short. There's nothing political about the fact that we could all die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. of a nuclear invasion. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. We had lightning the other night here in San Diego. Yeah. And it like, woke, like thunder. Like, right. And this is, I, I'm not generally an anxious person. At but, all. But... I watched, I've been watching these silly videos and one of them was like, it came up in my YouTube feed about uh, nuclear holocaust and, and how quickly the world would basically just melt if we all had an attack. And so it, clearly that was in my brain because when this lightning went off, I was like, oh At shit. 2.15 in the morning. In the middle of the night, I was like, there it is, that's the bomb. <laughs> I was like, they've got Miramar, you know, <laughs> because we live- Not far. We live like 10 miles from an air force base and I'm like, you know, the one of the videos was, if you live in this town where there's a military presence, you have nukes pointed at you right now. And I was like, I didn't think that got to me, but I guess it did. Anyway, let's change. How the fun. <laughs> let's see. Yeah, what a nightmare alley. Yes. Segway, oh, segway. Interesting forced segue, but it worked. So. Okay. I'm doing the intro. <laughs> okay. Nightmare alley. So as Yazdi said, this one has been nominated. I'm pretty surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, it was mind. a late entry in 2021. And this is, yes, a remake of that movie that came out in 1947, I believe, <laughs> um, with the with the same name, same story. Um, and the description is this, an ambitious carny with a talent for manipulating people with a few well-chosen words, hooks up with a female psychiatrist who is even more dangerous than he is. So this is starring Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, great cast, William Willem Dafoe, um, Richard Jenkins, Rooney Mara, Ron Pullman, uh, Mary Steenberger's here, whole host of others. Directed and written by um, Guillermo del Toro. Um, guys, what did you think of this one? So, Yazdi, did this one deserve its place in that group of 10 movies as best movie of 2021? Um. I'm a Guillermo del Toro completist, so I will watch pretty much anything he makes. And almost everything he makes is always worthwhile. I don't think, to answer your question, I don't think it belongs in the list of the top 10 films of the year. Um, It is an odd beast. I, I think it's very engaging while you watch it, but I don't know what's going on this year, but all the quote unquote auteurs, all 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 the well established filmmakers, Ridley Scott, him, Steven Spielberg, they've all released movies this year and they're all three hours long. This movie is a good fifty five zero minutes longer than that original nineteen forty seven film. So clearly you know, Mr. Del Toro has indulged himself. Uh, Del Toro always makes movies about 
you know, creatures who are kind of misunderstood by humanity. And he has a fondness for, you know, the those who are left behind and those who are different and those who are unusual. And when you think about it, this movie kind of makes sense because even though there's no mythical creature or any such, there's nothing supernatural even about this. It is about carnies. It's about people who live in carnivals and, you know, society does treat them as lesser than the others. So I, I see why he has a, he probably had a fondness for this particular story. My single biggest issue with this movie was the structure of it. There is like a first part and then there's a second part and the two, they do not meet. Um, and so it, I was like watching two different movies and it got too long. I, I, the movie just exhausted me. The movie does have a kicker of an ending. Joe? Not a big GDT fan, unfortunately. And this movie does very little check to change that. Um, you know, he's a frustrating director because his movies are always so handsome for me, but they're always... Um, they're always emotionally out of reach for me. I don't get what he's he's doing. So, you know, the much celebrated, and I know, yes, you're a big fan of Pan's mm-hmm. Labyrinth, um, doesn't doesn't click for me. He, you know, he, he works best when he's trying to do something a little scary for me, which is, you know, the Crimson Peaks mm-hmm. or something fancy like the Pacific Rim, you know, which yeah. was, was dark and, and delightful. But um, yeah, not a huge fan. And this, like I say, this movie, indulgence is the right word, yes, they, it just felt... Uh, drunk on its own kind of atmosphere. Um, it does really good world building. Like I believed mm-hmm. in its sense of place and its look and its textures and you know, the acting was fine, but I struggled to stay awake through it all. And I think it was just a pacing problem for me with this one. Um, could have been better as a, maybe a much more compact little film, but um, yeah, as it was, it dragged out and put me to sleep. Yeah, I'm halfway between the two of you. Guillermo del Toro is also hit or miss for me. I think Crimson Peak was the last one I really enjoyed of his movie as well. I didn't love Pacific Rim. Shape um, of I Water? Th- no, I didn't love it. it. They're too ethereal for me, I think. Mm-hmm. This one was Ugh. this one was based in more reality. <laughs> I like the fact that it was about a group of people. I think this would have done much, much better as a miniseries. I wish this had been like... Uh, a mm-hmm. mini series on HBO Max that we could have indulged in in like six episodes. The world was so beautifully crafted and the acting was phenomenal, but it just seemed more style over form, I think. Um, I couldn't, and, and I agree with you, Yazdi, it did feel like a film of two halves where you couldn't quite yeah. understand the connection other than the two characters who kind of go from one to the other. Um, I I think it had some interesting ideas. I thought Kate Blanchett blew me away given I just watched her in um, Don't Don't Look Look Up and what what a chameleon. We've said this about a lot of people, but um, she was was pretty spectacular in this movie. Rooney Mara, hmm, meh. Um, Bradley Cooper was good. Um, Tony Collette was the one who impressed me the most, though, in this one. It's not bad. It's not bad. Look, I think it's um, it's okay. I don't think it does, deserves to be on the top ten list, though. Yeah, I mean, I think if it was Nightmare Alley 1 and 2, where, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I think it goes back to the original source of the material. There is a series of events which play out in a carnival, right? And 
and that in itself is is very engaging. And I learned a lot about grifting. I learned about how people are able to convince others that they have some special abilities when they may not. It's just that they're working very, very hard. You know, they're very good at remembering things or they have a whole system worked out. So that was fascinating to me. And, you know, I the mechanics of it was really fascinating. Really fascinating. And there's a very interesting kind of a steamy sexual thing going on between him and Tony Collette and Tony Collette's husband played by David Strathairn. I really enjoyed all of that. Um, and of course, I think Del Toro is incapable of making a bad looking film. I mean, just just the world building is incredible. I mean, there is a amazing scene very early in the movie where he walks into this tent and there is this round kind of circular kind of um, carnival object and he walks through it and it almost feels like he's walking into another dimension. Yeah. It's so beautifully picturized and lit and so forth. So it's very good to look at. But then at this, I don't know, 45 minute mark, his char- and I'm, this is not a giveaway, this is no, no spoiler, his character leaves the carnival and then other things happen to him and that's a whole other story. And like you said, the only continuation is it's the Bradley Cooper character. Um, I personally think, as my, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't hate Bradley Cooper. I don't love Bradley Cooper. I'm kind of, you know, a B always with Bradley Cooper. A lot of people were thinking, oh, this is his best film work and, you know, he should be nominated for an, a best actor. I, do, I think he's actually miscast here. I think you need somebody with a little bit more mischief or even, even a little bit more dangerousness about him and he do, he's not able to convey that level of dangerousness i never kind of feared for him and i think there is mm. there is some of that kate blanchett is amazing amazing but, but you know honestly she could do this in her sleep she, yeah she you know this is it's just a femme fatale straight out of you know a 40s film noir and i think at the end of the day this is a film noir i mean the the, the original yes, movie was much. a film yes. noir but the good thing about film noirs is they're quick. They're always quick. You're done. People kill each other. People double cross, triple cross. All the double and triple crosses happen like in the last half hour of the movie. And like you, Joe, by that time, the movie's wore, wore, worn out its welcome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I do, again, to commend the looks. I think people should watch this movie because it's free on streaming on Hulu and HBO Max because just the visuals are amazing. That... that um, office so so kate blanchett plays a psychiatrist psychiatrist her office is like a wet dream of a you know 1920s architecture yes it's it's very art deco so it's more art deco than art deco it's so beautiful it's achingly beautiful it's the wes anderson art deco of of the movie it's the 1920s la look right but yeah I mean, it, I think the movie is almost worth just for that part. I was just like, um, you know. And then there's this goofy thing about, you know, how things play out. And, and in the last half hour, it's like playing like a different movie almost. Where there's, yeah. It changes tone and I think it just yeah. becomes, indulgent is, is the right word, I think. It just yeah. goes too far and it just, it, it should have actually, there was a point in time where it could have just ended and it went on for about, 25 minutes more, I think. Yeah. So, um, anyway. And Rooney Mara, again, I don't know Mm. what she's, I don't know what she's right for. She's not right for this role. (laughs) She's just meh. Yeah. She shows up as Rooney Mara, probably gets a paycheck. 
I forgot she was in it, to be honest. Yeah, she's not memorable <laughs> that, How at bad all. is that? <laughs> yeah. 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 I um, I will grant, and I'm not going to give away any spoilers, I will grant that the movie has one, it's one of my favorite endings of, of any movie this year, but it's, at that, again, by that point, it's so late. It's so late, and I'm like, okay, it's a great ending, but I... I'm sorry. I, you know, I have nothing, nothing more left to give you in terms of yeah. affection. So, yeah. so yeah, I will wind up. I think it's like a six out of ten for me, and maybe a nine in terms of the visuals. Um, and Tony Collette, bless her heart, she's so good. Yeah. So watch it, but eh, not not the best movie of the year. Six out of ten. Joe. Yeah, all the ingredients are there, but it doesn't work, um, and it. it I, I can't recommend that people watch it at home because honestly, um, I don't know that it will maintain your interest. I was forced to watch it in a movie theater and didn't maintain my interest. So, um, yeah, five out of ten. It's very handsome. It's beautifully crafted. Uh, just, just not a not a good movie for me. Yeah, same score, six out of ten as Yazdi's. Um, uh, you know, a for effort. It really works hard to mystify you and throw you crumbs down another path when something else is happening. Um, it's beautiful to look at. Um, no, no one's really phoning it in, um, but it's just too much. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Um, let's move along, shall we? And do death on the Nile. So Yasdi, can you, uh, give us our, our backgrounder on that? I will. So this is uh, the latest movie from Kenneth Branagh. Mind you, only the second movie in the last 12 months directed by Kenneth Branagh, following on the footsteps of Belfast. And, um, you know, Branagh has made a name for himself as a, as a brilliant actor. That's where he started. He was always directing some movies, but off late, he's been a gun for hire for Hollywood for making a lot of movies that have been very successful. He made Cinderella. He made, uh, gosh, it evades me, but he's, you know, he's... He's made a lot of good films. And then uh, I believe it was in uh, 19, no, 2017 that he made Murder on the Orient Express, which is based on Agatha Christie's very famous book. And there have been many Hollywood adaptations of it, um, starring Hercule Poirot. And he himself took on the role of the, the famous detective. And that movie, which had a star-studded cast, did exceptionally well at the box office, especially internationally, enough that uh, Branagh has decided to make, you know, uh, a meal out of it. And now he is uh, presumably making, going to make multiple movies, uh, you know, with Hercule Poirot's character. And there's, God knows, Agatha Christie has written many, many mysteries mm -hmm. with him. So we have a lot of uh, fun to look forward to. So this is the, the second one uh, starring Her Hercule Poirot. I don't know if I'm pronouncing him right, but Kenneth Braddock, yes, go that, on. That will do. Okay, that will do. <laughs> um, and so, again, once again, he has, you know, just an embarrassment of riches when it comes to a ridiculously good cast. So, uh, Kenneth Branagh is here, as is uh, Letitia Wright, Sophie Oconado, uh, Army Hammer is here, Gal Gadot is here in the, in the lead uh, role, Annette Benning is here, and then we have the two fur of uh, the great British comedians, uh, Jennifer Saunders and Don French. Russell Brand shows up uh, improbably in this movie as well. Um, and, you know, uh, what can I say? It is about a death on the Nile. And uh, um, the, 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 the one line uh, summary is that while on vacation on the Nile, Poirot must investigate the murder 
of a young person. And I've actually changed the text a little bit in that sentence because I realized IMDb has a, has a spoiler right there in the summary that they provide there. But um, Hercule Poirot shows up and all kinds of fun ensues. So what did you guys think of Death on the Nile? This is a fun whodunit, but it's somewhat predictable and, and dare I say, a little boring at times. Um, it felt a lot more clue than having the danger of um, murder on the Orient Express, which felt a little darker in um, tone. Um, I like the old 40s glamour, but I feel like this would have been better as a stage play. Um, It felt a little bit, again, indulgent and a bit more style over form. It was okay. Joe? So, interestingly, I... Well, had you seen the original Death on the Nile? No, I hadn't. Yeah, no, I think I may have seen it one, you know, year as a kid on a Christmas, you know, TV special or something. But um, yeah, I didn't, don't recall much about the story. And I wasn't looking forward to this because I didn't get along very well with Murder on the Orient Express. I found that one uh, overindulgent and tiresome, all of which could be accused of this movie as well. Those same accusations could be leveled here, but I really had fun with this. Really? I did. Uh, and I don't know why this one worked, but I think it, I settled Gal Gadot. in... No, because she wasn't in it much, but I, I think it se- settled into its, um, it settled into its old fashioned, um, you know, um, classic movie tone very quickly. We had these big scenes of the, the pyramids and of, and it had that, wonderful score and so it just felt like a very handsomely made old-fashioned movie and I I, I kind of got into its rhythm quite quickly and the whodunit actually had me intrigued so I didn't know who the murderer was oh, I didn't okay know, I figured it out I didn't understand so again as a movie it kind of all clicked together for me a lot of fun I would I call it a great no gosh no but I did really have fun with it yes yeah I I'm with Joe on this one. I really had fun with it. I uh, I think more than anything else. I'm shocked. Yeah, <laughs> I really had fun with it. I think I think it looks like a good-looking old-fashioned movie because it is yeah. a good-looking old-fashioned. It's movie. a very old-fashioned movie, um, and I think it's the kind of movie that we don't that Hollywood doesn't make anymore. They used to, but My they don't God. make anymore. I think more than anything else, it's like. A triumph of glitzy production design. I mean, I when I left that, I wanted to jump on a cruise and go on the Nile myself. Yeah, I know. It, I, it did so. It did feel like going on vacation a little bit. And yeah. I know a lot of it is is you know all airbrushed, and I you know a lot of it is CGI. But still, it kind of was so gorgeous to look at. And like you, Joe, I you know I there was a time in my. I think mid-teens, maybe late teens, when I read every single Agatha Christie book. You know, that was my thing to do on summer Saturdays. Uh, Gee, was I a nerd or what? But anyway, (laughs) so I've read all of them. But like you, I did not remember the plot to this at all. And I did not see any of the twists and turns coming. So it uh, it was good for me to kind of walk along with them. Yes. And, you know, I think what what really... For, for me, what makes this both of these movies, especially this one, I think this one is slightly better than the first one. Really? Mm. I think oh. it's because this Kenneth Branagh's version of Hercule Poirot 
takes himself so seriously. I mean, I do not believe how he how he was able to convince the studios to make a very serious looking prologue, which is all about his mustache, pretty much about how his mustache came to be. <laughs> and I'm not giving anything away. I'm like, honestly, when for the first five That's minutes, true. when I sat down, I was like, am I am I in the wrong theater? <laughs> it's you know? true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I f even forgot about that, but you've reminded me. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, is, is this death on the Nile? Why am I watching this whole thing about a war? Like, am I, am I, am I sitting in the wrong theater? Um, so I, it, it, it's a little bit more than it needs to be, I think. Um, and I love watching very famous actors be bitchy towards each other. I really enjoyed that. So here's, here's my problem with it. I think I'm struggling with all these movies that are doing this kind of 1920s to 1940s production instead of just making good movies, th those same movies that would be relevant to today. So it just feels like there's a lot of bloat when you could spend it on a little bit of a better story. But that's the fun of it. I know, I know. I know. But I feel like it doesn't bring us anything new. And again, this one felt a little bit more playful. I kind of liked the darker tone of Murder on the Orient Express, which was a very serious movie. And this is much more of a like a Disney-fied clue-esque, like I said. It felt much more like a clue. Um, it didn't feel like it was tonally consistent. So, and then, and then I think Gal Gadot is such an awful actress. I just, I can't watch she her. Looks, like I just, she looks great. Of course she does, which is why I think you like watching her. But um, she's just a terrible actress. She just looks like she's had a face slapped. But I don't think she had that much to do in this movie. Well, she's and the central character. No, I know, but I don't think that the movie. Um, hinged on her having to do much, right? Like she walked in and she's the wealthy, you know, she's heiress, yeah. heiress. And so everything kind of revolves yeah. around that. So she's not, it's not as if like she has to, again, don't want to get into spoiler territory. She, you know, she didn't do it, <laughs> but um, the whole, uh, I think she was kind of irrelevant here, right? She was like a backdrop. She was just like the Nile, right? Just a, a, a a fitting well, visual. Well, she's the plot for, device. A fitting visual yeah. for, for what that role is supposed to be. But yeah. no, I think, but you, you you made the point that it's less dark and less serious and that, that works in its favour for me mm. than, than Orient Express because I think, I forgot about the prologue, Yasdi. The prologue immediately settled me into the tone of the movie yeah. because I was like, oh, come on. Right, I like, was like, really? 10 minutes of this for this? <laughs> yes. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and, but it made me smile. Yeah, it it's like, totally And, and here's, here's how Poirot got his moustache, right? So the tongue-in-cheekness of it, yeah. that kind of really, I, I, that was a nod and a wink, I think, yeah. to the audience to say, I'm going to play a little bit with this one. And that's how I then took the rest of the movie. So I... I Yes, it had its serious moments, but it never felt more than, like you say, Rashmi, not, not Clue, because Clue isn't all that comedy, but it, it definitely played out almost, you know, like a theatrical farce. Um, again, that sells it completely wrong. I don't want to, but it, it, it has that kind of lightness to it. And, you know, when you cast uh, Dawn French and Jennifer Saunders. Correct, um, who together, I love. Together, I know. right? Yeah. Like they, you, you, you're having fun right? You, you, you have to know that the absolutely fabulous ladies 
Correct. Are, are here for comic geniuses. To, yeah. Yes, but they're they're here to kind of lighten the tone. And sure. The, and that that. But Russell Brand too. So we uh, end yeah. up with having a lot of these people who are playing it more f- for laughs in a sense. When um, I think the movie deserves a bit more heft. Um, so, so again, for me personally, it felt like it was very tonally inconsistent, and I didn't know whether I was watching something. You know, a dramedy, a comedy, or something serious, and it, and it just didn't fit. I, I like yeah. the prologue, but um, yeah, I mean, no, I, th- it didn't I mean, I work for me. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here trying to defend Gal Gadot as the world's greatest no. actor, but I actually think she fit this role well because she had to. It's she's more than the backdrop. She is the person who is so striking that somebody, even if it's a grifter, somebody would literally abandon their fiancé and kind of pursue her. Sure. So, you know, at least she has the physicality right. And I think I kind of believed her because she felt at many times, like the virtue of her being not only gorgeous, but also very wealthy, that she felt unsafe. So I kind of kind of bought bought a lot of that. Um, Russell Brand, I, I, yeah, I, I, I I don't know what he was, why he was, who he was, whatever. I don't know that, who yeah. he is, why he is. <laughs> yeah, whenever, exactly. Ever, like, ever, right? yeah, even, even yeah. in real life. Um, but I, I, for me, it was just all tongue in cheek, leading up to a mystery. It, it is, it is the equivalent of watching, I don't know, McKenna's Gold or The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Something where you're like, I'm going to sit you down in a theater and I'm going to entertain you, and you know, yeah. you're not going to maybe not remember much, but I'll entertain you and. Yeah. I was entertained. So some, that sounds like a good summary, Yazdi. Yeah, I think this movie is so sumptuous to look at and it's way better, I think, than it needs to be. I mean, he could make a crappier version of this movie and still rake in the dollars. I mean, people will go watch it. Um, and I think there's something very charmingly old-fashioned about it, which, which, kind of, which really appealed to me. And Rashmi, you were saying, why not set it in contemporary times? Yeah. But we have, and that movie is Knives Out. And Knives Out has a second so has fun. a second one yeah. coming out on Netflix, but I think I think as much as I like Knives Out, maybe just ten smidgen less, ten percent less. I enjoyed Death on the Nile, and I'm going to stick my neck out and say that this is the better of the two films Kenneth Branagh did, <laughs> directed this last year. I think it's better than Belfast. <gasps> uh, so yeah, Steve, I don't know if we can be friends anymore. <laughs> so. Seven and a half out of ten, which I'm going to bump up to an eight. I I don't know who I wouldn't recommend to. Yeah, it's a little unfair, yeah. but it's fun. I think yeah. Rashmi has her knives out with that comment. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, again, I, I don't want to repeat myself here, but it, it's beautifully crafted. It's old Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super saturated colors. It's an Egypt that exists only in my dreams and right. in movies, right? You know, I, I want, I was transported there. I wanted to be there. You know, the, the river that boat. That boat was very nice. Yeah. Not a single mosquito in sight, you know, like <laughs> it's a fantasy and I played it for that and it was tongue in cheek and it had a nod and a wink and the mystery worked for me. And the revelation was genuinely, uh, you know, kind of a, <gasps> you know, for me. So everything clicked into place. Seven out of 10, highly, you know, a a good recommendation for pretty much anyone to watch on a Friday night, except perhaps Rashmi. (laughs) Yeah, I think you summed it up. But you know, I mean, it's okay. I'm making out like I hated it. I'm doing what Joe normally does. I didn't hate (laughs) this movie. But certainly I was a little disappointed, you know, considering the fact that I loved um, Death on the Orient Express, and I really wanted that kind of darkness with this Poirot character. Um, but it's it's beautiful. It is beautiful to look at. Six out of ten for me. 
Yeah, I think the murder itself is a lot more sinister on, yeah. the, on the murder. And we didn't even yes. talk about Army Hammer. I mean, I'm surprised this one got released with the... With all the trouble that Army Hammer's been having, he was having. edited out of the trailer completely. Yeah. Was, yeah, it's 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 a marvel of editing. That trailer, saying, was it you, you watch him? I think yeah, you I told think me that. Was, yeah. yeah, I mean he's there, but you know you have to kind of really freeze frame or you know kind of really pay attention because. Yeah. And he was he was a top billed actor until all the trouble and. And he's a great actor. I mean, when I was watching, good. I was thinking, oh my god, he's a good actor. Pity we won't. He won't work again. Yeah, and he, uh, you know, putting aside whatever his personal issues might be, he is very right for this role. He's smarmy. He's wearing this yes. buck-toothed buck dentures, and he has chest hair, which is so right for this role. <laughs> yes. Um, and the other person who really amazed me, I have not seen this actor before. I think her name is Emma McKee. She played Jackie. Uh, yes. The person that Army Hammer leaves to get married to, uh, yes. get married to Gal Gadot. I mean, she was so good in this movie, she and I've never excellent. seen her before. And no. I think amongst all these heavy lifting other actors, she kind of held her own, both physically as well as in terms of what she had to do. So yeah, I she reminded me that. of Margot Robbie. She read Very like Margot much. Robbie for me. I, in fact, I thought it was Margot Robbie at one point. Yeah, she looks. I was a like, lot what? Like Margot That's Robbie. Margot Robbie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent stuff. All right, let's go on to part three then of our podcast, The Batman. Rashmi, I, I think do. So you're telling us about this. Yes, one. I am. So another reboot. Uh-huh. Batman ventures into Gotham City's underworld when a sadistic killer leaves behind a trail of cryptic clues. As the evidence begins to lead closer to home and the scale of the perpetrator's plans become clear, he must forge new relationships, unmask the culprit and bring justice to the abuse of power and corruption that has long played the metropolis. So this is um, directed by Matt Reeves. It's produced by Dylan Clark, Matt Reeves, and it's written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig. Um, In this um, main role, we have Robert Pattinson as our new Batman, Zoe Kravitz, Jeffrey Wright, Colin Farrell's here, Paul Dano, John Turturro, uh, Andy Serkis, Peter Sarsgaard. It's a really good cast. Um, Barry Keegan, um, and a whole host of others. Um, so, um, d- did we need another Batman? Um, Joe, I mean, what did you think of this, the Batman? So it's no secret to any listeners of the podcast that um, I'm a huge fan of the Christopher Nolan what? iteration of uh, really? Batman story. I know, right? Who's that? Um, <laughs> and to be honest, that, that was always... That that was my definitive Batman. It was the one I was waiting for for years as a kid. So when when that delivered as it did, um, I feel like this franchise has nothing more left in it. And we've gotten the Zack Snyder iterations, you know, the, the Ben Affleck Batman, and you know, here we go again, another Batman. Yeah. What this movie has in its favor, I think, is that it takes a slightly different take on the character. It returns to some of the comic book roots of Batman, which is he's a detective. We so rarely get that side of Batman, right? He's normally thought of as a vigilante that, you know, beats criminals to pulp at night and and so on and so forth. So it was refreshing to kind of see, and maybe it was because instead of so many of the other Batman movies, which focus around the bad guy of being the Joker, this one had the Riddler, which was definitely more of a kind of a a puzzle. It lent itself more to that detective storytelling. Um, But why was this movie so long? Like, really? Three hours. Two hours and 56 minutes. In this world. Um, you know, I've got a lot to say about it, but I'll, I'll kind of pause here and give you yeah. guys a chance. I mean, it's just too damn long. Yes, the- 
Give us your summary. Uh, it's too darn long. I mean, I, I, I'm just, come on, you're making a movie based on an animated character. It's been around for, Batman has been around as long as Spider-Man and Superman. Why are you making a three-hour movie? There's, I, okay, there's so many things I love about this movie, but I think at the end of the day, again, just like Nightmare Alley, the movie just exhausted me. And it, it has like five endings. I'm like, you have not earned the right to have five <laughs> endings. I'm like, let me out of this theater. So I, again, I think maybe, maybe these directors are getting some kind of a contractual agreement that the studio will release the movie in whatever length they come up mm. with. That's the only explanation because I think this movie has a full climax which seems to be from another movie with some flooding and some it was so bizarre but anyway let me let, let me let me back down and get to get to the good stuff first this movie is kind of a cross between david fincher's the zodiac christopher nolan's the dark knight uh you know what's his name uh uh uh, Give you us, know. use your words. <laughs> Give us something. No, Francis Ford Coppola is the, <laughs> the godfather. It's kind of a mishmash of a lot of these. And also the Joker. I mean, I saw in, in Sensibility, it's, it's, it's kind of somewhere in between. Um, I liked, like you, Joe, that this movie makes it clear that, I mean, it's supposed to be two years into, you know, uh, Bruce Wayne first deciding to become Batman. So it, it, this is a fairly young Batman and it's played by a fairly young, I think the youngest of all actors, uh, Robert Pattinson is playing it here. And when you think about it, what are Batman's superpowers? Batman doesn't he's have... Rich. Well, yeah. He's rich. He doesn't have any <laughs> he's superpowers. He's a playboy. I mean, occasionally, you know, he can, he, he can climb things or whatever, but he doesn't have any extra, you know, superpowers. And I think what this movie more so than any other comic movie trying to capture the feeling of a comic book, kind of made it clear that Batman's superpower is that he's an expert detective. I mean, he has a very, very sharp mind and he's in a very dark place where he's not, he's not away from imagining the worst of people. And that kind of puts him in a very good place. So I think there is a excellent, perfect two-hour movie setting somewhere, or even, a, even an hour and a half movie where... All this Batman is, is an incredible detective. But then it's just bloated up with all these. I mean, there's so many characters. There's so many villains. I couldn't even keep straight. How is John Turturro related to Zoe Kravitz, uh, to the cat? So, so much, so much, so much here. I think very bloated. Could have been better. Can do better. Like Yazdi's report cards. Um, so <laughs> I think if the Chris Nolan universe hadn't existed and this was the first rendition of this type of Batman that we were seeing, I would have been like, wow, I was blown away. Um, but given we've already seen the Nolan universe come to light, um, I think this is way better than the Justice League Batman, um, yes. but less than Nolan's Batman. Um, and I think it's way too soon for another reboot. That said, though, Robert Pattinson is a great Batman, and he may actually be my favorite Batman to date. Um, but I just, again, I'll say it again, we didn't need a reboot so soon. And I agree with you, Yazdi. I love Paul Dano as the Riddler, and I like, do you say, is it the verisimilitude? Verisimilitude, The yeah. kind of real-world type of, the way the... Having it, plausible explanations yeah, for fantastical things. Correct, correct. Um, I like Paul Dano as the Riddler, but he plays a lot like Heath Ledger's Joker. Um, mm. Not in terms of the chaos piece, but in terms of the... 
how grounded in an altered mental state this person is, which I really liked. I liked, I liked his rendition of this. Um, I think this is the problem I had. It was so dark I couldn't even write notes. <laughs> Like someone needs to just turn the lights up a little bit. There's not bit a single it's... daylight scene and in the movie. Well, and again, no, there are daylight scenes, but they're all overcast. Like there yeah, is no sunshine. Correct. So there's no. The movie's dark visually and metaphorically. And again, this DC universe is so joyless. Again, there is n- there's not a moment of joy in this movie. It's just dark, 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 long, dark, dark, long. That's what it is. That's the Batman. Yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, that that's exactly my problem with it too. It's long and it's dark. And, you know, the Paul Dano character as Riddler, I feel like he's one of those, um, yeah, what are they called? You know, the, the those folks that feel disenfranchised and you know, can't he's get... Victim, he's a victim. No, but they, they, there's a particular term that came up a couple of years ago because, you know, there was some shooting by one of these... Um, you know, disenfranchised. Um, uh, gosh, I'll, the, the term will come to me, but it just felt a little bit. Um, uh, you know, the Riddler. Again, I don't know much about the Riddler character in terms of the comic lore, L O R E, but I don't. Um, I don't feel that this was anything other than kind of a slightly different twist on the Joker, other than that he left right. riddles around. And right. Even still, the, the riddles were you know calling cards and. I, I struggle with Robert Pattinson's Batman, to be honest. Oh. I, I will say that that's, that's a real problem for me. Yes, the, your explanation of him being kind of a young Batman makes that a little bit more forgivable, but he, he, he didn't come across it. He's very small in stature. And so the imposing, you know, tall, dark figure that is the Batman, uh, in, in my view of the, the comic world, it, it didn't seem to be quite a good fit. He was a good Bruce Wayne. I don't think he's a good... Batman per se, but I I thought I like you, Rashmi. I thought he made a good Batman because this Batman is kind of he's kind of like the Kylo Ren, you know, yeah. His, because he's 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 not mature. He's impetuous. He's angry. Uh, he's brooding. He's he, he felt like a teenagery Batman, and I think. I don't know what what decisions they made, but you know, there's something weird going on with his hair when he's Bruce Wayne. I don't know what that was. I was yeah, thinking. he had like Japanese straightening treatment in it. Yeah, I feel there's something <laughs> like he was using a straightener. Like I think a curling iron, and it was all over his eyes. And I, I mean, it's that's just Robert Pattinson. That's his twilight look. You think? I mean, no, that's not his deli- twilight. It's a very look. deliberate look. But yeah. anyway, I think I'm going to hazard this by saying, once once he puts on the bat suit, his his jawline is like the Empire State Building. I mean, it is so perfect. And I'm like, oh, this, I mean, he is made to, Robert Pattinson's face was made to play Batman under the cowl and the bat mask. So he looked really good. I think, you know, his his visage as as Batman looked very good. Yeah. Um, I I also kind of felt that his, his scenes with uh, Zoe Kravitz, who plays Catwoman, were very, very well realized. I mean, there was a very believable electric kind of connection between the two of them. And, and I think the movie takes a leap in suggesting, not just suggesting, in, in indicating that there is some kind of a sexual chemistry between the two of them, which was kind of unusual. I kind of appreciated that. And I think Zoe Kravitz doesn't get to do much. And I, I'm glad that she gets kind of a more more prominent role. And, you know, this, 
Uh, why so gloomy? I mean, I know that Nolan made it and Nolan did it better than anybody else can. You cannot out Nolan Nolan. So just leave him be and this this Batman doesn't crack a smile. But what, but what I'll tell you is that a lot of the movies shot, at least seemed to me shot uh, outdoors. Uh, and I don't know where they went to look for these places, but this is one nasty, horrible looking Gotham. I mean, it's just dark and dank and... And, you know, covered with, you know, graffiti and just really nasty looking Gotham. Um, so I like that. And I think the the, the darkness you, you, you mentioned about, I think that to me very closely resembled the pages of a comic book. So it visually felt to me many times like, oh, this could be a panel from a comic book. So there's there's a lot I appreciate about the movie. Uh, yeah, I think I think somebody was given too much too much control over this over the script yeah. and the plot and it just went on interminably and i some of the some of the riddles were even too obvious i mean you know there was things about yeah. flying flying insects and what is a better flying sorry flying birds of course the bat is a flying bird we know that so yeah i i like i mean i did like the um it felt like there was there was a the plot was good in the sense, you know, with I, I understand what you're saying about the Godfather reference, mm -hmm. Yasti. I kind of liked that underworld and it felt like it was nicely played out and, mm -hmm. and the corruption was very relevant to today and the politics and how politics play out. That was actually really mm -hmm. good. It was just just too long and too mm -hmm. dark. Um so again, I and and I think you said it very nicely, Yasti, about the Nolan piece, you know. If Nolan hadn't done it before, seriously, we would be giving this a very, you know, we, I would be adding on like three additional points um, for my score. But but this is a very different world to Nolan's world. I mean, it I is, but it's that it's the same flavor. It's the same flavor of superhero movie. You may not think so, but for the rest of us, um, it's the same flavor. It's it's all the same. It's not the Adam West and it's not the Batman with, you know, Michael Keaton and uh, no, George this, Clooney. This, it's not those worlds of Batman. Is, it's but, not even the DC one, the Justice League one. But, but this is the hipster Batman, right? Like he's got like a, a, a retro V8 car, right? Like he, yeah. like, like that car is just a hot rod, it's right? It's just a muscle car. It, yeah. Exactly right. And it's, you know, he rides a motorbike and it all felt very... Um, you know, again, my personal bias may be creeping in because I have a particular image of Robert Pattinson, but it felt it felt like that kind yeah. of... I'll tell you what, I've been standing in a lot of lines recently and whenever there have been kids around, they're all talking about the Batman movie. And the, and I wanted to jump in so badly and I <laughs> and it happened to me twice. Once when I was waiting for a bagel... And were they being positive about it? Or? They all were saying, so oh, I've heard excited, really yeah. good things about Batman. And then they would start talking about... There was a really cute couple in Einstein today when I was waiting for our bagels um, and, and they were going oh yeah I heard really good things about the Batman movie and then they were trying to figure out who the main guy was you know he's got you know it was Edward in and they couldn't figure it out and I so <laughs> wanted to interrupt the conversation you should have you should no have. I couldn't I couldn't you, was, they were just too cute I didn't want to interrupt the cute loveliness and you then giving them a business card how else are we going to get views then, on our podcast yesterday remember when we were waiting for our ice creams for our gelatos you're not helping our and then, health. And then there was another couple and they were like, oh my God, we, we're going to go and see Batman tonight. And then the person who was serving was, yeah, I've heard great things. And, and you're like, no. I didn't want to ruin it for them. They were so excited. So I haven't heard 
And they're all college kids, right? These are all kids who are like kids because we're so old now. Um, like 20, 18, 19, 20 somethings. And I no, think it's going to work for them. The movie's picked up a lot of buzz and I think it's, it's we haven't had a lot of comic book stuff come yeah. out, right? So I think, you know, people are hungry to get back into movie theatres for a good big blockbuster type yeah. movie. And this movie, you know, it's the first of the year that's that's going to scratch that itch. Yeah. Um, my own, yeah, the word I was thinking of for Paul Dana character was incel. You know, those like yeah. mm. those kind of disenfranchised, you know, stereotypically kind of white males that the the world seems between to eighteen and squash. Yeah. yeah, and so he had that kind of you know dirty, creepy feel to him, and I'm not sure that was right for the for the. For I the know cat. I like that. See, that all worked for me really, really well. I, I mean, I was scared of the Riddler by virtue of his actions. I wasn't scared of the Riddler by virtue of what he looked like or how he spoke. Correct. Um, I but mean, I did th- you not th- th- think? I mean, his. I mean, it's. Uh, it is a spoiler, but I'm going to say it anyway. You go through most of the movie without realizing who it is, who the Riddler is, because he has a, you know, he has a particular getup. He's wearing glasses and this covered face that looked very much like Zodiac, David Fincher's movie. Mm-hmm. So I think between. Fincher and Nolan and whoever it was who made Joker. What was his name? Uh, uh, oh yeah, the um, Todd. Uh, yeah, Todd. Todd. Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips. I think this seemed to be more like a Fincher movie than any of those other movies. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I I think there is a really really good movie in here. Yeah, there's a really good movie, and there's. I like that there was kind of references to Asian hate. There mm. was kind of a reference to how politicians are corrupted. I like right, that whole, it's very yeah. relevant. Yeah. And I like that, you know, Commissioner Gordon, well, he's not commissioner yet, but Inspector Gordon is played by Jeffrey Wright. So there's a lot there. And, and it's racially diverse. It's racially diverse. It's colorblind. So, you know, Jeffrey Wright is Gordon, yeah. Inspector Gordon. And the place where the, uh, the penguin, the the nightclub is amazing. I'll, visually, it looked it looked like something out of a comic book. I can't believe that something like that. Might and I did not recognize Colin Farrell no, at you, all. You're not meant to. And I'm, yeah, while I'm ranting, can we just do away with taking some actor and plastering them with, uh, with so much makeup that they're unrecognizable? It's like why? why? The- because because then why Colin Farrell? Why not me? <laughs> you know why not? Why not you? But Let's you know, do it. It's like why are you hiring Colin Farrell if nobody's going to recognize that it's Colin Farrell? But anyway, I mean, it, it, I liked I liked the penguin here. The penguin is less threatening. It's almost the penguin is, uh, you know. Do you see Colin Farrell in that? No, picture? I'm I showing I'm showing Yazdi and Joe a picture of Colin Farrell as the penguin. No, I don't see him at all. But I thought he he was very good. He was very good. I actually liked that we didn't know it was Colin yeah. Farrell. Yeah. So the, I mean, this this is Matt Reeves who did. Uh, the War English for the Planet of the Apes. Yes, War for the Planet of the Apes. He also did the original English version of Let the Right One In, that horror movie. He made the uh, Hollywood uh, remake right. of the Swedish horror movie. So oh, I yeah, the Zoe, there's uh, Chloe Grace Moretz Chloe one. Grace Mor- Which yes. I love. So yeah. I think that he, he's somebody with promise. I think he just needs to be reined in a little bit. I yeah. liked seeing John Turturro again. Yes. And can we just say, I'm glad this wasn't like, we didn't see the usual origin bat shit that we normally see but we did how many times do I have to keep hearing about how his parents died I mean every Batman movie yeah but this gave another slant to it my god I'm actually defending the movie I think we should wrap (laughs) this one up yeah yeah Joe why don't you start Um, I mean don't need it it's too long 
Um, I, I, I want to invent something, right? Like we all hear, you always hear about like the definitive director's cut of a movie. What I want here is yeah. the definitive producer's cut of the movie, mm. right? I want the people who normally interfere with the director and say, cut this scene, cut that scene, reshoot this, reshoot that to make a, a smaller, tighter, more compact version of the movie yeah. that is more suitable for uh, a you know big screen kind of blockbuster feel because there's a lot of excellent stuff in here. It's all just drawn out too long. So I'm disappointed and I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed to the point of annoyance with oh. this. So, you know, it's going to be a grumbly six out of 10. Um, there's a lot of things to like about the movie and really it's a seven, but I'm, I'm annoyed with it enough to kind of knock it down that point to say, to teach them a lesson. Don't annoy Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, D. Um, the one thing we didn't talk about was Michael Giacchino. He's, 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 he did the music for this. And there's a lot of wailing. And it felt really, the music felt really odd at the beginning, but then it got into a really nice kind of, uh, very grand kind of uh, music. Zimmeresque. Zimmeresque, which, which I appreciated. Uh, everything that Joe said, I agree with him completely. I think I want to see that producer's cut. Like I want to see a 90-minute version of this movie where... All the Come back- on, 110. No, 90, well, okay, 195-minute movie where all it is is the Batman being this super smart person trying to solve this crime. And I don't want to hear about all the backstory about his parents and all that nonsense. But there's so much to like about this movie, but I think more than anything else, it's undone by an unjustifiably long running time. It just bogged me down a lot a lot of reviewers said oh they didn't know when the three hours flew by i was looking at my watch at the yes. two hour point point i kept moving in my seat i was hoping i wasn't disturbing your guys watching experience because i couldn't sit still in my seat yeah so uh seven out of ten for me as well could be so much better this could be a nine out of ten it's all there with a good editor. yeah I, everyone I else with, does I seem to love Steve. this but i think not needed great effort i'm actually going to give it a seven and i think my seven could be an eight but i'll stick with some with seven um there's a there's a lot to like we just didn't need it but what i'll say is that the world seems to love this yeah. movie right yeah, it's, it's reviewing really well i didn't yeah, I, I hadn't seen I, the again, reviews I think until it will, just now i think it will really appeal to those couples who i was listening in on their conversations at the different places i was waiting in line for yeah. I've never heard that. You know, I never go in and then hear people talking about movies, but these people were excited and they had booked tickets. By the way, the, about the score, yeah. did anyone else hear the Emperor's... Not. Yes, it was. It sounded like... It was. No, it was. It was the Emperor's March. It was, yeah. Because we kept looking at each other. And I was like, oh my God, they ripped off Star Wars. Or Atari's Death Fighter. That's right. Gunslinger. Or whatever Gun, it, was. it was Gunfighter. Gunfighter there. <laughs> yeah. Remember, oh God, now I've already given my age away. Do you remember that? I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> nothing. And what, Atari? What's that? What's that? <laughs> uh, yeah, and why the Batman? Come on. Look, Sawyer's, so Yazdi's dog Sawyer, if you can hear that noise, that's her tail banging under the table. Yeah. She's, she's so like, cute. She's like... Come this on. is come on. She's come like, on, shut you up. Talking about yeah. the Batman for she's, yeah. Speaking, she, she's like speaking of things that are too long, not just the movie, but this podcast. Yes, you guys. Shut yeah, up that was pretty it. cute. Yeah, I think this will be an eight for most people. Uh, yeah, for me it was a seven. Yeah, and for all of us it was a seven. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. If it brings people, sorry, if it brings people back to the cinemas, all power to it. Yeah. Look, I mean. 
Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm hopeful that now that we are post pandemic, dare I, dare I say that, um, yeah. we, uh, we might start seeing some of the releases. I mean, you know, so many things got held back. This movie was famously one of the big holdbacks because of the pandemic. I think it was supposed to come out maybe a year, a year ago now. So, um, all right, let's wrap up the podcast. Uh, too many movies and I'm just going to go straight to the end so thank you very much for listening too many movies too little time a goodbye from me and me and me as well 